This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Men's Podcast. I'm David Michael, your host. Joining me to discuss the normality of a uh, Aston Villa podcast that isn't sweating about the potential of relegation anymore. Uh, Mr. Chris Bird, Mr. Phil Shaw, welcome. Hello, sir. How are you? We're just sweating Hello. about the prospect of war, but... World War Three, which, in all extents and purposes, it's kind of happening, uh, it's kind of behind the scenes, isn't it? We can't actually uh, put people on the ground in Ukraine, because that would trigger uh, all kinds of things. But uh, behind the scenes, whether it be financial, cyber attack, sanctions, pushing as many uh, military aid to into the Ukraine you can get away with, etc., etc. So uh, do take this seriously. It's uh, obviously not a drill now. And a lot at stake, which we could mm. go into, but uh, obviously we need to uh, keep this uh, light AVFC. No, not light. It's never light. Good God. <laughs> AVFC is the order of the day. We've just beaten and done the double over Brighton. It's not. It's very rare that we do the double over teams nowadays in, within a season. More likely that we get the double done over us if you're Watford. Yeah, so high fives all around there. Coming up in the show, we will obviously discuss uh, what went down at the Amex. Uh, we'll also look at the latest filler news, the latest media muppetry, and uh, get into the three points, which are uh, getting in, getting pretty interesting by the every, by the minute it was being updated. So uh, we'll crack on with that. To uh, what have you chaps been up to quickly before we uh, get on? Cracking on, David. I'm in album mode at the moment. Three new records this week. It's very close to being done productive this week any of them any good they're actually quite good actually yeah, I think so but then I would say that <laughs> for a change yeah for a change <laughs> I would say that <laughs> it only took 75 demos to get to the final 12 that are good so I kind of you know you have to work through the crap <laughs> to get to the good stuff you need to get to be more efficient um, that Watford game 20, 20 attempts only one shot on target that was uh, it's a bit like your album process over <laughs> <laughs> about 10 years <laughs> uh, Mr Shaw what's going on I just had a bit of snow this week, unexpected. Oh, Jesus blizzard. Christ. I'm I'm like hooked in mainline on drips into this uh, Ukraine situation. And you're talking talking about a bit of snow. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think that, that's not even first ha- world problems. What what kind of problems is that? The problems is I, ha- I have to drive an electric car in the snow. And electric cars don't come with gears. And if you try driving anything without gears in the snow, it's bam- Bambi and ice. It's like a United Forward. Well, hopefully box. the Russians have got electric tanks and uh, it starts to snow hard uh, you're still alive though so uh obviously you uh, got a grip of the situation yes well well experienced in the snow right let's crack on shall we should we talk about the klitschko brothers going back to the ukraine to bear arms or do you want to talk about villa news I mean, I'm quite, I'm quite interested to talk about the Klitsch guys on the front line, to be fair, but they've been packing <laughs> yeah, punch, I, but we'll go with the Villa News. The 
the Villa versus Spurs game has been moved. Uh, is this a provisional time uh, to... At the moment, it's yeah. It's just been put back two and a half hours to uh, 5.30 on April the 9th. Uh, what's the implication here? Well, Liverpool and uh, Man City obviously have Champions League uh, commitments. So if either of them are due to play on that Tuesday, um, will them be moved to the Sunday at four thirty? The game, right. obviously. The so, so then, but I think as um, I think Liverpool and City are due to play, aren't they, that weekend? Which is a massive game, and then that will be the five thirty game rather than the Sunday game, depending on how the Champions League right. draw falls. So, uh, if you are going to that game, uh, as uh, we are, I think we've got to keep our uh, both days free now. How inconvenient. Nothing much in terms of the injury picture at Villa. Uh, Truro and Nakamba still out. Uh, I don't know if Nakamba's... Well, he's, people were thinking he'd be back at the end of February, but that's not going to happen now, is it? So, that's what they uh, said. April. April at the no. sort of, that was, was so the So, who was it in February? Was it Truro? They thought would, it would be originally, yeah, and... God yeah, that's what's going to happen over. Like, we might not even we'll barely see in this season, potentially. I've put a line through them both uh, because Nakamba's more about hopefully you get a couple of games at the end of the season to mm-hmm. uh, see if he still actually has that the ability to uh, be considered a first teamer or do we have to uh, get somebody uh, above him in the pecking order, so to speak, in the uh, the summer window. But I don't think his injury is timed very well for him because he was, he was getting a bit of momentum going. Yeah, he was. So uh, in the long term, not the greatest of injury uh, timings there. Matty Cash uh, after scoring against Brighton. uh, It's always good when somebody's got a message underneath their shirt. That means they're extra motivated to uh, perform because he literally had to score, didn't he? To uh, have an excuse to lift up his shirt. He was showing... Solidarity with Thomas Kidzora, who is obviously his Polish national teammate, who uh, is with, I think he's with his family currently in the Ukraine. Yeah. He also uh, put out the statement which the Polish uh, FA and uh, all their you know heavy hitters like Lewandowski uh, supported. Which I mean, well, let's cover it here, where Poland are essentially refusing to travel to play uh, Russia in the World Cup. Also Sweden and Czech Republic who would they who would they would face in like the final of a of a playoff mm-hmm. uh, either or. They've said they don't want to play Russia either. I mean if you, I saw some videos of uh, what's his name the Italian uh, FIFA chap Infantino. Infantino with his head so far up Putin's ass in the, in the run up to the uh, the Russian World Cup and granting the World Cup to Russia which was you know it was the ultimate ultimate uh, sports washing and part of their PR plan Infantino was saying how uh, you know the world would now love Russia because of this World Cup blah 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 I mean some of the this, if you look at the old speeches it makes you sick now uh, with hindsight but I, I think fuck them if FIFA gets stupid and don't read the room here and uh, let's say buy Russia through think uh, they should just cross the World Cup off the calendar and you know they can choke on their Qatari money that's my opinion anyway Matty Cash I mean he got a yellow card for showing support lifting his shirt and uh, yes we know the letter of the law take your shirt off you get a yellow card fair enough but then a few minutes later the Premier League are are tweeting a picture of him with his shirt up saying how the Premier League have showed uh, you know solidarity with Ukraine it's like hang on a minute you're praising him here but in the same hand you've just punished him on the pitch so uh, what's it to be because it can't be both can it that would have been very embarrassing if he'd have got a second yellow card wouldn't it yeah could you imagine if he'd have had one before that and that had been the second yellow card? Yeah, that would have been, been a fucking classic. Yeah. An uproar as well. You know, I tweeted this and basically said, are you going to rescind the yellow card then? As a, the reference was, well, hello, Premier League, you're taking credit and celebrating this uh, solidarity with Ukraine, but here you are actually punishing the play. You've got in the goddamn picture. So that was the point. Some people going, oh, yeah, but you took your shirt off. It's like, yeah, you don't get the fucking point. The point is... You can't have it both ways. So I have no blame for him. I would have done the, pretty much the same thing. No fair play to him. And he's so infrequent he scores as well that he's got to take yeah, the and, opportunity. And if, I hope he has a message under his shirt every game if uh, if it guarantees a goal. But Gerard actually uh, took it on his shoulders, yeah, didn't he? That's good management. Yeah, he said there's certainly no blame, uh, blame towards the player or the Premier League. That's on me. He said I should have spoken to the players before the game and said to them, if you score any goals, remain calm. I don't mind uh, in this. You know, this is not a... Uh, PC kind of emotionless situation. Uh, it, it's going to ramp up over the, the the next few weeks and months. So uh, this is the least of our worries. A, a player showing solidarity to a friend during war times. 
Uh, meanwhile, uh, Barry and Kane Kessler were both on target, respectively, for... Uh, well, Barry uh, scored a brace for Swindon in their 5-0 win over Warsaw, while Kessler scored for the MK Dons. And uh, that's a bit it. about it on Villa News, isn't it? Quiet at really, the moment, yeah. Anyway, what's uh, happening in the world of media Muppets? <laughs> Right, Phil, what's in the media Muppet trough this week? We'll just go back to Birmingham Live, and they've actually went must back we, in time. Must we? We must do, because they seem to be retrospective, so they've gone back in time with two bits that are really stuck in the past. Um, the first headline that caught my eye was uh, one going, nah, not for me. Roy Keane questions the professionalism of Aston Villa's players in scathing attack. Now, we'll probably all, if we think logically, know what this is about. It's about his time at Villa, but it's put out this week when Villa... I mean, he did release a book, a biography, or a second part of his biography, and obviously they ran all the articles uh, on what was mentioned in that, so uh, you'd expect it's just another rerun of that. Yeah, but I mean, to put it out this week, whenever Villa are in the middle of a bad run and some players are being questioned, you know, it's clearly just to get you to click on it to think, oh, Keane's had a comment at the current crop of Villa players, but no, it's back to how bad they were just during Lambert. He was just asked about it again on Gary Neville's YouTube Yeah, that was show. a long time uh, so ago, just, though. I remember, I remember watching that like months ago, wasn't it? His interview on uh, his channel. Yeah, and if that wasn't bad enough, the, the time machine was still going whenever the next headline was Declan Rice denied shock Aston Villa transfer after pushing for move. So they've hopped in the DeLorean and it's actually Declan Rice saying, I wanted to go to Aston Villa under Steve Bruce. Um, West Brom, Nottingham Forest and Aston Villa wanted me. I was pushing for Villa the most. Well, it wouldn't have really been a shock transfer back then because Rice would have been going to a championship team to get a few minutes. And at that time, um, you would already have had Snodgrass there. So. He was a teenager as well, wasn't he? Yeah, they're just living in the past this week. As soon as a bit of negativity creeps in, they, they go back to the old stories and try and make them about today's team. I don't like writing things, like articles that don't need to exist, if you know what I mean. And this is the problem now. Uh, uh, not just them, it's that whole idea of having the 24-7 news cycle where you just, it's like you've got a big pit and you've just got to fill it with as much shit as you can just to keep topping it up. If you run any kind of website, you've just got to keep, uh, you've got to turn it. I mean, um, you know, I say that I've got a website, but I don't put anything on it anymore. <laughs> That's going to get rebooted, though. So we have to think about how we're going to do this. I think there's a, there's a few avenues. So uh, don't worry about that. It shall return. And by the way, uh, if you want to get into uh, writing properly and uh, this kind of levels this can operate whether you're i don't know if you're studying it or if you want to get into sports journalism or journalism per se then do drop me a line uh, contact at my and that will get its way through to me and uh, we'll take it from there but there's going to be a big revamp relaunch so uh, please do uh, get on board and if you want to dedicate yourself a bit more to it then do mention that as well or, or if you've just got time to do it casually moving on three points first point roman abramovich out of the blue well not kind of out of the blue because that was one of the big uh, questions in terms of the financial sanctions uh, the uk and europe were aiming at russia obviously uh, due to their invasion of uh, the ukraine or P putin's shall we say uh, invasion of the ukraine abramovich's statement was short and sweet during my 20-year ownership of chelsea i have always viewed my role as a custodian of the club whose job is it is ensuring that we are su as successful as we can be today as we build for the future while also playing a positive role in our communities i have always taken decisions with the club's best interest at heart i remain committed to these values that is why i'm i am today giving trust of Chelsea's charitable foundation, the stewardship and care of Chelsea FC. I believe that currently they are in the best position to look after the interests of club players, staff and fans. I mean, the first thing this shows you is uh, that these financial sanctions are serious and it's not just a uh, empty gestures and threats. I can't can't see him like relinquishing it as an asset it's like almost like they use using uh, the foundation and the foundation i mean every club got a foundation i mean it's one of those things uh where why while they do a lot of good work they can always also be used uh, let's say for accounting purposes you know whether it's getting access to grants through uh, charity 
charitable status because it's a lot of football, you know, whether it's the Premier League and other football setups that uh, we're talking grants of thousands and, you know, millions in some cases. So uh, these foundations have access to that. There's also, I don't know if there's any like tax, uh, let's say, advantages, etc. So it is just like almost like a shell holding, isn't it? Shell umbrella company that they could, uh, Abramovich could put it under just so uh, any transactions wouldn't be seen as Russian, so to speak. People with more closer to the ground will have more of an insight. So I don't know if that's, I don't. I wouldn't take it as a signal as him stepping aside. It's. Just, I think it's a... Uh, Pretty him getting out of the firing line for a bit. Yeah, and also taking Chelsea out of the firing line yeah. and uh, making sure they're not complicated in any ways in terms of these uh, sanctions. Because obviously these uh, people would have been rolling their eye over the implications here. The thing about it was how it was announced because it was, you know, it was, it was at my dinner and I was just had the the City and Everton game on and a yellow ticker came along the bottom. So I was actually looking out the window. I thought, oh, the nukes are coming. <laughs> I've never seen a yellow ticker come on in the middle of a live match before. But then I started reading it rather than just panicking. So yeah, yeah so, so they obviously thought it was, it was big Did you news. think there was a bit of snow coming or something? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the tumbleweed in the Monaco of the UK. I suppose interest, interestingly as well, of course, Abramovich's daughter had come out, hasn't she? And it sort of, I think it was on her Instagram or some, one of her social media platforms and basically denounced that the you know, the war was very much Putin's war and this isn't Russia's. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's pretty well established from most sane people, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're hooked on Russian state TV. And, and uh, the fallout in the football world has obviously been sponsorships have been dropped. Manchester United have pulled their sponsorship with uh, Aeroflot, the uh, J- Russian airline, and their sh- uh, share price has tanked uh, accordingly uh, this week. Schalke 04 have uh, removed the logo of... Uh, I think they had, it was a Russian energy company, wasn't yeah, it? Gazprom. Gazprom, that's come off the shelves. And then, uh, as well as what we pre-mentioned, the uh, the Poland situation, also Sweden, Czech Republic, regarding Russia in the World Cup. The Champions League has been pulled from St. Petersburg and moved to Paris. Uh, uh, Spartak Moscow, I think, are the last team uh, left in European competition, but that ain't going to happen, is it? I would just boot them all out. I mean, it's uh, it's it's harsh on the players and the people, but it's you've got to show the people of Russia that you will be completely isolated from from the rest of the world. It's got to be a completely united front because you're relying on on them to rise up against Putin. Yeah, well, I mean, the Russian captain had come out, hadn't he, and basically said he didn't support the war, which in Russian terms is a, a pretty high-profile yeah. person coming out and saying and, You know, respect to him yeah, as man, well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously player reactions across the game. Obviously, you know, we mentioned Matty Cash, there's Zinchenko from uh, Man City. Um, you know, he joined Vigils in Manchester after putting up a rather uh, <laughs> interesting Instagram <laughs> post about Putin saying, I hope you die the most suffering death which was obviously deleted pretty quickly by Instagram. Mielenko from Everton, who, of course, City were playing on Saturday. They embraced as well. Everton came on with Ukraine flags around the shoulders yeah. while uh, City had Ukraine flags on the back of like their tracksuit tops, yeah. their warm-up tops. And interestingly, in Russia itself, as in St. Petersburg, they dropped their defender, Yaroslav... Who Putin supports, yeah, allegedly. Putin's team, yeah. Uh, Yaroslav uh, Rakitsky. Mm-hmm. They were they were due to play in the Europa League. He'd publicly come out against the invasion, and they just dropped him from the team. Point number two: Svengoran Eriksson has said he was asked to help fix the 2010 World Cup draw for North Korea. Probably fixed it for everybody else. Uh, <laughs> Eriksson, who was on a business trip while the manager of Notts County visited uh, Pongyang with Russell King, who was. Uh, Bit of a dodgy character, a bit of a had a bit of a fraud uh, background. Who played a part in hiring the, uh, the ex uh, England manager to Notts County? The report states that King asked Ericsson to join him on a trip to Pyongyang to discuss a deal to mine North Korea's mineral reserves. <laughs> Am I reading the right notes here? <laughs> yeah. Ericsson said, this is, I think it's on BBC Radio 5, they, the North Korean representatives, knew I was a member of the FIFA football committee. They said, can you please help us? Of course I can help you if I can. I said, I thought they wanted balls or boots or something like that. They said, we want to have a simple draw. They wanted to have help with the draw. Of course. I said, uh, do you really mean what I think? I can't do that. Nobody can do that. That's absolutely impossible. It's criminal even to try. Uh, How much are you thinking? (laughs) 
<laughs> but they never believed me. The amazing, well, I'm not surprised they didn't believe FIFA. Well, it would be FIFA impossible for corruption. Oh, yeah, Sven, FIFA, corruption. I mean, come on. No wonder North Korea asked. Uh, the amazing thing is they looked like they didn't believe that I can't do it. They believe that I just didn't want to do it. Very strange. <laughs> not really, because Sven just made a career out of traveling around the world, Mexico, you know, wherever, just picking up. I mean, lasting about a year in a job Get and a just nice picking paycheck. up multi- multi-million pounds. How did he get himself into these situations, Sven? And he That's- said, yeah, that was the main reason why I was invited and why it was so important that I went there to uh, be popped the question. But they must have looked at his how he was living his life and going, oh, I think we can get, a, 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 get an easy draw here into the... Uh, <laughs> Into the World Cup. But yeah, uh, Sven, uh, if you want to know about Sven, just follow the money, basically. <laughs> it's uh, I'm sure it's all on his Wikipedia as well. Uh, point number three, Scott Hogan. Uh, no, sorry, it's not about Scott Hogan. It's just somebody who's trying to emulate Scott Hogan. Romelu Lukaku broke the record for the fewest touches in a single Premier League game. Uh, you've probably seen this on the news. Uh, seven touches playing the full 90 minutes and that's the least amount uh, since uh, this metric was recorded since 2003 stroke 2004 season uh, a lot of people uh, defending him i mean this is the thing about this situation it's like i think i started the scott hogan touch count meter because well, i think we played barnsley and didn't he scored like two goals it's, in his first yeah, four touches it started out as like a, a positive thing it was almost about yeah. his efficiency and how much of like he barely touches the ball yet scores twice and then it became a derogatory thing over yeah exactly <laughs> the uh the moral of the story is in if he's efficient you don't really need more as a striker you don't really need more than seven touches in a game if you're going to score three out of those and like hogan had i think he had like in the first half he had like a ridiculous amount of low touches but he scored two goals ultimately if you're an out and out striker you just want him getting on the end of things but yeah Lukaku. i mean i think you know the normal pundits kind of defended him and uh said it was more down to Chelsea's uh, tactical approach to the game which I think is kind of fair enough yeah. because uh, you just want the ball to Lukaku running at goal and uh, most defenders would shit themselves I mean, I it, d- it does remind me of the uh, the Monday night football when we played Tottenham and I remember Carragher and Neville being in stitches at Gabi Agbonlahor who'd had next to no touches he'd had about four in the game and two of them were to kick off L- Lukaku I always rated Benteke higher than him I just thought it was more of an all round game but I think Lukaku obviously had a better mentality because I don't know what happened to Benteke. Well, Lukaku pushed on, didn't he, and got the big bit, moves, etc. Yeah. Kind of I think Benteke got an injury, agent. didn't he, just before mm. a, a major international championship where he would have had that... Uh, he would have been the main man. He would have had the number nine shirt, but uh, that kind of derailed him and Lukaku just kind of steamed through. Right, anyway, let's get on to Villa and Brighton. Going into this game... It was simple. Uh, the the facts were, of the matter were one win in the last eight games in all competitions. Uh, uh, as we mentioned, it's something for the weekend. You, you got like Burnley wagging their tails suddenly, winning back to back games. They also, I mean, the Villa game kicked off half an hour late due to a traffic uh, issue. So uh, obviously, we were privy to the results. Uh, well, half a, half an hour before uh, Villa's game ended, and but you know, Burnley managed a draw, a decent enough draw there. So. They were wagging their tails and you just looked at the bottom and you thought, actually, now at Newcastle, I mean, Newcastle aren't getting relegated. Even Watford had won, but just Burnley's uh, sudden proactivity and picking up points saw, actually, the, this relegation battle isn't over in Villa. If they carried on the way they were going, they would be sucked into it. So we needed to get some points on the board. I mean, Leeds are now sucked into it. Everton are now sucked into it. Like, seriously, Brentford have, have dropped like a stone as well. I mean, this is good news for Villa if Villa carried on stuttering. And, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. This is only one win uh, in, in isolation. Uh, in terms of changing uh, the lineup, uh, again, I, you know, I think we spoke about this in Match Club. Doesn't even, I think when he, after that Newcastle game, when Gerard says, I'm going to be making changes, I think he said that before actually sitting down and realizing what changes can I make here because when you look at that starting potential starting 11 there's not that much really you can do is there no I think that was it after that Newcastle game it was real like it was like raw emotion he was so disgusted at how they played he goes right I'm dropping them all next week I'm making massive changes and then he sat down and goes if I make massive changes (laughs) we're going to get beat even worse because I think I put up on uh, Twitter after that I said maximum two is all I can actually see here unless you're 
you know, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. There was the ch- the change here was Buendia being dropped uh, and Watkins coming up, uh, and you know, the guess was that they Watkins and Ings would play as a kind of a two up front, but then in certain phases of the game, you know, one of them going out wide while the other one fills in in the middle. In terms of the physicality of Brighton and it being an away game, uh, I thought it was pretty logical to uh, try those two again. And, and to stretch them yeah. behind, I think you needed a little bit of mobility up front rather than having, you know, Coutinho and Buendia, who potentially against the stronger side are a little bit lightweight, aren't they, if you haven't got yeah, the ball? Yeah, because you can imagine Brighton playing in a similar way uh, to Watford and having that kind of low block and, uh, cu- you know, cutting off that space in, in front of the defence. So they did need to be stretched a bit more and, you know, enter Watkins. Yeah, I thought it was very it was very noticeable from very early in the game that Watkins was the sort of the point. Um, Ings seemed to be one that dropped and sort of hang, hung wide on a few occasions and was involved in the build-up play but Watkins was usually left to be the last man like in his, his favourite position yeah. as, you know tracking yeah. down the, the centre-backs when the ball was passed across and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage Nissan Townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty and with a bench full of all star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all star quality search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You look on Twitter and, and uh, you, you got to laugh sometimes. Like suddenly uh, the solution is uh, Chambers to play as a defensive midfielder. You're all right. In what world is that a, a, a super solution? It, it's not a progressive decision, is it? That's the last, you know, it's, it's nice to know you've got someone who can play there, but that's a backup option. Some person with a Villa Twitter account have seen that once upon a time he played defensive midfield once there was an injury crisis at Arsenal or something. And it, it was at Fulham? Yeah, exactly. Even worse. And then uh, the Sanson situation is if Gerard's not picking him... That means he's not up to it at this stage. He doesn't fancy him at all. And uh, at this stage, we've c- kind of got to uh, go with uh, Gerard's judgment because he gets to see him more. And anything I will say about Sanson is you would like to see him over a, a like a, a sample size of games, really, to make any dis- distinct judgment. So at the moment, you know, you have you got to tip your hat to Gerard to actually make the decision based on what he sees in training because you know we don't have that privilege. And if he's not fancying him after he hooked Louise uh, the other game after a misplaced pass. The way you just, you know, you almost ruthlessly took Louise off, you think, well, Sanson would have been straight on. If, if they were equal or in the same ballpark in terms of uh, what he was seeing uh, in in terms of the, tr- you know, training and, you know, wherever else he gains his, his metrics from, uh, but he, he obviously doesn't fancy him. Yeah, and it, it can't be something personal because it's now been with Smith and with Gerrard, so it's they can't both have the same issue with them. I mean, at the moment, it's file in uh, Lang has dropped a clangor in terms of uh, buying the player. That's where it's filed at the moment. But anyway, let's let's get back to the game. I mean, initially, it was Brighton was almost like watching Villa in that Watford game. Uh, plenty of possession, but overhit crosses very kind of wayward uh, final balls and you, and you thought oh, hang on a minute the, the, the longer the game went on you thought oh, you know this this could be uh, they don't look as good as we perhaps build them because you know only three teams had lost more games uh, this season and that was the top three well they're a, they're a strange team aren't they Brighton because their league position would suggest that they've had good runs of form this season but 
and they've been hard to beat. But then they, I think they flattered to deceive. Now I've seen them twice now this year against Villa. Both times, obviously Villa coming off pretty atrocious runs of form, and they haven't looked great in either game. Yeah, because before think. the game, our game, they'd lost two games, I think, back to back. But before that, they'd gone on a uh, a seven game unbeaten run, which is I think is their longest in the Premier League. Uh, and you, know, you could attribute those two losses to the fact that they Dunk was out, and I think Webster was out as well. In that, yeah, uh, Duncan in that Webster game. are out. So big deficiencies at the centre-back position. So you could probably explain why they'd suddenly lost two games on the bounce. I mean, it, it, the, the, the first half, I thought the main danger to Villa was potentially the referee. And Villa? Well, that, that was more yeah. second half, I thought. No, the referee was... Well, I joked it was like a youth training scheme referee going in. It just looked like it was his, his work experience, his first day in the job nearly. It was just, oh, yellow for you. Oh, what happened over there? I don't care. Yellow for both of you. Um, <laughs> I missed that one. Another yellow here. Oh, you're the one left standing at the end of this. The guy rolling about in the ground. He can't get a yellow, so you have to get a yellow. It was just like, it was almost like no consultation with his assistant referees or anything. It was just yellow, yellow, yellow all, yeah, all the way. Around. I mean, Villa had four yellows in the first 40 minutes. Uh, and of course, one of them uh, after the goal. And uh, what a goal it was, actually from cash we've been we've been hoping he would uh, add some end product to his game because he went through a period uh, where he started to do that but then this season he's uh, I mean he I think he was probably our best player at the start of this season just in terms of defensive effort but he hasn't really uh, added much going forward and because he had a, a, a slogan under his shirt he really had to score didn't yeah. he that's a really good goal a really good move really good ball in from um Dinia, wasn't it? Nice to see both fullbacks. And obviously, he'll get he'll get the assist, and then Cash will get the goal. And when it comes to him, you especially when you see it on the replays, his technique is absolutely perfect. Gets right over the ball, rifles it in the bottom corner, and really, that was our first big chance of the game, wasn't it? Yeah, finally, a Villa player had a shot because I mean, it was saying before, and when was the last time a Villa player scored from outside the box? Well, Cash was just just outside the box, so I'm taking that. It counts. <laughs> I mean, we we're speaking about the yellow card. I mean, it, I mean, I read something about that uh, referee. Sh- can consider the situation, but I don't think he even saw it, did he? Well, he would have had his back to cash, didn't he? So he wouldn't have seen it. He wouldn't yeah. have seen what it said. He just thought, oh, he's just taking a shot off in sort of exuberance. Because you don't really uh, win in that situation as a referee. No. Let's, let's say uh, a nursery was bombed, and that is the message on the shirt, God bless them or something, and the referee books him for that. It's like, you got to think about this. Uh, yeah, show some common sense. Yeah, and uh, of course the Premier League, you know, we've already said our, our main gripe was it was uh, the Premier League celebrating it. Uh, I mean, it, it, it kind of goes back to uh, the w- what happened when Villa played West Brom in the FA Cup quarterfinal and we were in the press as the Dark Ages. And, you know, it's a pitch invasion, essentially. Dark Ages, bringing disrepute to the game, blah, 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 for exactly the same thing that if, like, no disrespect, like Fleetwood or... Or like when Kidderminster won recently. Boston United or Kidderminster, if their fans did a pitch invasion, it's it's you know it's the beauty of the FA Cup and all that kind of uh, semantics. So it's double standards, is what we're yeah. saying. But he was dishing out cards. So it was it was this sort of inconsistency and, and lack of. I think once you start giving yellow cards for for silly things. Then you've got to give it for the big stuff as well, and you've got to. You see it in rugby. And it, ref, referees don't manage the game. If he managed the game earlier and stamped it out. And even if he'd have given a yellow early for a bad tackle, and then you, you pull both captains in and go, right, no more but of that. what we're but seeing here, it's week in, week out. It's this new wave of referees that just have no grasp and no control over the game. Maybe their personalities aren't big enough to assert themselves on the games, but, you know, that Watford game was a joke. I, I walked out before the end. It was a farce, wasn't it? There was actually no play. It was just Watford players rolling around the ball out of play all the time there was nothing was happening and the referee had no control and i just thought there's not you know villa aren't going to score here but never mind that there's not going to be any bloody proper football played here and these referees are so wishy-washy it's uh that they need uh i don't know they need to man up for want of a better word they're just they're like magpies they're just like attracted by something shiny in the pitch so it's like I mean even if there's nothing that's happened if they see a player like down and rolling about they go oh I have to do something here I have to go over it's just like there's no sort of sort of comprehension of what a football game is and what it flows like I mean if a player goes down and it's like not a head injury I mean they have to have a look at the play and see if it needs to stop or something else or this decision in the first half that was a a corner was given to Brighton and it was the most obvious goal kick to Villa you'll ever see the the Conser incident yeah yeah as soon as that happened, all the players went mental. I mean, Konza, who barely, you know, shows much emotion on the pitch, he was straight over in the referee's face. Going, what are you doing? Yeah. Like us here, and the referee doesn't think to even like consider that I he mean, could be it wrong. It speaks for itself, doesn't it, with the ref when 
both sets of players were infuriated with him. And the, the atmosphere at Brighton is never the, the most intimidating at the best of times. And the only time the crowd ever picked up during that game from their point of view was when they were abusing the ref. So both sets of fans were frustrated and all both sets of players... What I understand about VAR is there's an opportunity there to be the subtle VAR where it goes off, you see Konza going mad and in the VAR man should just whisper in his ear yeah it was, it was a goal kick and he's like yeah yeah you're right Konza goal kick and it isn't like you need 10 different replays for that one do you it's obvious anybody watching it on a bloody stream or whatever saw it on the first replay yeah. and of course uh, you know VAR's going to get access to such replays so you should it should be a swift swift decision mm-hmm. No need to like stop play, have a look on the bloody monitor, any of that bullshit, because it's not that important in terms of a decision. But it could be because they get a uh, get a corner if they score straight from the corner. That's on the ref. Mm-hmm. Again, you go back to something you could go to the rugby example. If the referee's not sure after something like that, it's just a quick ten seconds. Well, what was it? Oh right, here it is. Well, actually, Gone. the video ref. I mean, rugby. They'll they will do a bit a bit like what David said. They'll go, or oh, I've seen this, which is exactly what the referees will say to their linesmen. You know, sometimes the ref will miss a decision, and the the touchline guy will um he'll flag up something like you know, an incident in yeah. the corner, for example. Anyway, enough of referees. I'm getting bored talking about them. It's just uh, a kind of incompetence. Drain uh, but of as the, you know, as the second half went on. Uh, I it, it just looked like Brighton didn't have the killer instinct. It got to like, oh, I don't know, 75 minutes to go, 20 minutes to go. And I was thinking, actually, this is going to be an interesting little drill for our defence just to uh, give them a proper under siege uh, you know, practice. Because I think they they could get a lot of confidence out, out of this if they hold out. And Brighton don't look like uh, they've got the final ball for this. And unfortunately, our, our biggest... Uh, our biggest threat was our own players. I mean, Louise gave away two of the sloppiest passes. With When the game had opened up, hadn't it? You thought Unforced you've, you've, errors, yeah. like no pressure on him. And it's just like, and he got hooked again. Gerard hooked him against like what the fuck it's those ones that are infuriating aren't they when yeah. you know you've done the hard work players have yeah. you know, they've, they've, they've probably played out from the back it's gone into a striker it'd go into Coutinho a lot and he plays well out of trouble really well McGinn did it a few times they all did it they all put a great shift in holding the ball up and then you play it off to you know Louise in the position where you want him to be he's got open grass to run into simple slide pass out to yeah. Dino on the left hand side and it goes straight to the bright player you know we're not talking about like you know uh, he's going for a, a Hollywood pass or one of these ones where we think yeah. oh he's been really ambitious but it's great to see him try then he get, then he gets a pass these were so this is like the we're fundamental we're not talking stuff about that, you know the ball's zipped into him and he's got a split second to react and it go, and he plays it to a Brighton player it's like uh, you know whatever fair enough this is totally- like what are you doing? And this isn't the first time. And you know, he did it a couple of times in this game. Did it against uh, Watford. And these are the things, as well as infuriating fans, they infuriate the manager and they infuriate your teammates they as do. well. And yeah. uh, if we had an, if Nakamba was there, he would have been in already. Uh, yes, starting with the last few games. Of course he would. And the reason it's frustrating as well is because if you take those two sloppy passes out, Louis was fine. Yeah, today. Was. Yeah. The rest of the game was fine. That's that's the most frustrating thing. And these are fundamental errors. It's as we said. It's it's uh, they're unforced, and it lets everything else down. Because uh, especially in the in the flow of the game, is like we're, in, we're under intense pressure. So in that situation, you, you we finally got something going, and he gives it straight back to him. It, it saps your. Uh, you know, it just saps your resolve, that does. And also, I think it sends out the wrong message to, A, your opposition and other teams. They kind of go, oh, Villa haven't quite got their house in order. You know, it's this slapdash attitude, kind of lackadaisical passing. Whereas I think if you're neat and crisp, you know, you, you look at all those the sort of the good players in that position, you know, your Declan Rice's, Phillips, um, Kante, etc. They just do the simple things so well. It's just they do it in their sleep. Yeah, this you know it just looks like a player, especially it's the second one. I think was the worst, if I can remember rightly. Or it's just, or I think he's just switched off. I don't think because I think he's he's not short of confidence. Maybe he is, but I think he's it's almost yeah. just like his, his concentration's just not there. I would hundred percent say he's had words from the boss uh, from oh, multiple. You could imagine day in day the out last on the training few games. as well. I mean, luckily it didn't it didn't cost us. Well, I mean, he's technically gifted, isn't he? That's the frustration. We see the potential upside of him, but he's just consistently inconsistent, and that's what's always infuriating. We've sang his praises uh, in various parts. We've really tried to defend him, haven't we? Over the years he's been here, but you can't. When you've got a new manager in, who, and you know the ambition of where the club is and what they really want to do, you can't be carrying passengers to do that. You can't. And this isn't like, uh, this is like fundamental mistakes that f- professional footballers who get paid five six figures a week should not be making 
sloppy passes like that. It just shouldn't even be in the equation. Like maybe one a season. I think it was the second one where the ball was put in them and he could have brought it down, carried it forward, brought it down, passed it wide and he just tried to, he under had a first time volley pass straight to the Brighton player and that was just that. It was, you, you could just hear the groan. When, if you want to bring you know stats into uh, football, then at least bring in proper stats that actually mean something. I mean, attempted take-ons, blah, 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 expected dribbles. Progressive carries is the one that I want, me. Yeah, I want to see crap passes. <laughs> I want that stat because I want to know who's doing and who's who's undermining uh, progress. You want a liability rate. Exactly. But, it's, but it would be real facts, wouldn't it? Like progressive expected take-ons or whatever. It's like, what does that really mean? Fuck all, really. Crap passes. Oh, eight, eighteen, <laughs> or even like no, a number of attacks broken down. It's like, but we're talking fundamental. Like a crap pass would be classed as a fundamental, and if you get two, then you're out in the next game. Basically. Well, and even like in tennis, it's an unforced error. Yeah. yeah. Well, talking about crap passes or what people say are supposedly crap passes, the the old Ming's hoof. Um, well, wonders did it. It worked here. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing we're saying to start a game when Watkins was on. We're thinking, oh, at least there's somebody to chase the ball. If it's if it's dropped into Mings and he has to send it long, at least there's Watkins there that he's used to be in there. Watkins is is very good in in a situation which normally you would class as a, a lost cause. Uh, I've you know you've seen him beat two men to the ball, three men, or when he's when he gets the ball to take on two or three players. And conversely, as you said about Louise, you know, players giving away silly fundamental passage saps your energy I think when you've got someone like Louis um, Watkins who'll chase to the both corner flags and he'll chase lost causes and all that that gives you hope they think you know what he'll we know we've got someone really you know pushing for the team here even if he's not getting chances in the box and that's great yeah that was the quality that got him into the England squad this yeah. kind of one man press ability yeah uh, and, and never say die and all that sort of stuff and he, and he, earned, yeah. he earned his opportunity of course the ball from Mings is sort of speculative but it's a good ball their defender has a bit of a mare, but once he gets in front of goal, he actually looks really composed and confident. And you think, great finish. And I think most of the other fans, his teammates, clearly the fans behind the goal, were really relieved for him. It's a really big moment. I mean, you'd really, yeah. you hope it. Things picking yeah, him up. You hope it really starts him on a little yeah. bit of a run because he's just a really likable lad. Because he's got to beat his tally uh, from last season, or else we're selling him. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, he's got to beat that if, we, <laughs> if we're going to sell him. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's a double edged. You want to play in Europe next year, Ollie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've been as critical as anybody of Watkins, but I mean, this is why when you see him do that, when I mean, I mean, there was never a doubt once he got got onto that ball and his one on one with the keeper it was in. He was never missing that, and he knew himself. It was just, it was just one of those strange. And the pace he has, it's not like lightning over a short distance. It's like a continual sort of acceleration he has, and that's why he beats players. Yeah, he takes some stopping. We saw that against you know that that great goal he scored against Liverpool last year and numerous other ones. Once he gets going, he's he bounces off people. You know, obviously he scored that cracking goal in the against Brighton. Um, in Gerrard's first game as well. The uh, oh, Ing, Ings or Watkins debate is like it's hard to get a better finisher than Ings in in the league, uh, especially English. For uh, what we would get with our budget, uh, absolutely. If, well, no, regardless of budget, the stats back up. So it's hard to get a better finisher. It's like if you if you're looking for a twenty goal season striker, you know, obviously if he stays fit, it's you know Ings. You'd be like, yeah, I'll I'll take him. Thank you very much. Uh, but and Watkins is something that we've got that no other team has really got that kind of player and he gives us uh, a kind of edge I mean we saw him you know he, he kind of bedazzled Liverpool when we uh, ran through them 7-2 and you need him you know you kind of need them both in the team if you want to maximise the assets that you've got but you know at the same time there's that the school of thought that oh they can't play together I don't know how valid that is because you're looking at our team and it hasn't actually found the utopian setup has it where no, not yet, no. you, you can actually judge like oh they actually those two players don't work in our system we haven't actually locked down that system so i think while we're actually locking down the system and you know the personnel are, are reasonably fluid in that and uh it's still up for grabs i think it depends who's the tip of the spear out of the two of them i don't think ings ings is old enough and Wily enough that he doesn't care as long as he's he's playing he's happy to contribute to him he knows he'll get a chance and if he does he'll score so he's happy enough to let Watkins do that lone man up, up and he's front. and he's not in technically he's pretty good uh, Ings in terms of uh, yeah. you know giving goes and uh, keeping things ticking over and his passing range is pretty decent the one he held up to win a throw in in the second yeah, half I, mean, I think it was four or five Brighton yeah. players running yeah. yeah yeah there were a few moments like that actually where individuals really put themselves about you know, we haven't mentioned yet but I thought um, you know I think McGinn would have been man of the match he had a cracking game 
game, just doing all the dirty stuff. You know, he wasn't, you know, like hitting shots from distance or marauding forward particularly, but he was just an absolute battle axe. He was, was kind of given as a bit of control, uh, I mean, some of his roles and uh, just keeping that possession rather than it just pinging straight yeah. back. To and us. for all the talk, you know, before the game of, you know, oh, Villa will get to see Basuma, who they want to buy, I, th- I actually thought our midfield guys handled. Brighton pretty well. I thought Ramsey put a good shift in there to do a lot of sort of tireless work was normally used to seeing him yeah. on the ball and carrying it. He did it a couple of times. He was unlucky actually. He carried it all the way through yeah. the back line yeah. and just it just didn't break for him to... Well, I think the guy got a, a decent blocking in the yeah. end. Yeah, they all put a really good sort of shift That would in. have been a great goal. Yeah, brilliant. And obviously um, um, McGinn had a sort of a half chance when it was, a, it was actually a cracking ball in from Louise, little header down from, uh, I think it was Ings, wasn't it, at the back post. Yeah. Down to when he kind of got involved, but there was a lot of pluses to see from those midfield guys who, who did a few things that we didn't see too much of against Watford and it was a real sort of battling performance rather than the, the more sort of fluid yeah. passing game that we, we saw for 20 minutes against Leeds for example I think going forward I mean you, you know uh, Southampton's obviously a difficult game but I think the fact that uh, they got through that last 20 minutes or so without conceding is was you know almost like a headline boost because we know we you know we can be just from the personnel and the money we've spent on uh, our forward players we know we can be dangerous but you've just got to get that sense of uh, being solid again and no mugs at the back iron out those stupid mistakes and then trust your ability to when when you get in the final third we've got the you know as you said the the, the firepower to hurt I'd say anyone yeah. on our day. So, uh, so uh, you know, Konza coming back was uh, a good thing because you need that unit to uh, gel together and uh, iron out whatever weaknesses there's there's been. I mean, obviously, a lot of it comes from uh, how they're set up and how. F- forward those fullbacks go and they did get caught out a couple of times uh, in the first well the first few minutes when both uh, of Brighton's fullbacks uh, got a bit of purchase down both sides and got behind us and uh, again their you know kind of final ball or their, their finish kind of let them well they down. both faded didn't they and certainly Lamptey for all his pace offered little to nothing considering I remember the games last season he just destroyed us yeah I think I think they made an adjustment because they were getting caught again they were they just staying up and mm-hmm. not not being conservative enough to keep uh, our backline at least, uh, you know, semblance of uh, solidity. Right, uh, stat of the game. It was the first time Danny Welbeck has lost in 11 appearances against Arsenal. That's a belter, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, I, you know, when I saw him warm up, I thought, oh, shit, I've, I've got deja vu here. This has happened before. And of course, it has not so long ago when he came on and scored. But I didn't realise it was uh, shockingly a amount of games that he's he's had the uh the dark side yeah, well in defense it was he did play for united and arsenal during our one of our worst periods in history so he got he got a few under <laughs> yeah, the gimmies, didn't he along the do, way <laughs> yeah do, do the rest with brighton burning question let's move on to that uh mentioned uh louise's uh sloppiness uh twice in this game and uh against watford and, and he was hooked both times is this enough where Gerard says, even though I don't really fancy uh, swapping him, uh, would he would he put uh, Sanson in? Because obviously Sanson came on in the game. I don't know. I really don't know. I, th- I don't know if no. physically he's there. I, th- I wonder if that, you know, Robinham, the young lad, is potentially more trustworthy just in terms of doing the dirty side of the game. I don't know if he's ready yet. Would he start him? Yeah, though? I don't know. He's, he's 19. I don't know, I don't know if he's ready he? yet in that position. It's Fortunately, we're not sort of blessed with too many options. You might go to Louise, I just need more from you. But there's only so many, there's only so long that can go on. It's like, I need more, I need more, I need more. It's almost like negative reinforcement, isn't it? At some point, you need to go, actually, this isn't working. At the I'm moment, Sanson's on his way out the club uh, in the summer if, he, mm-hmm. if he's not getting in the team now. This is when you know that a player isn't right. When uh, when your team's screaming out for uh, you know a, a player to come in at a certain, certain position here, and uh, is it in Louise's head that he thinks he's on the, on the first team sheet straight away and he's got no competition is that is that kind of adding to what's happening but these are such fundamental mistakes that's what i can't understand it's not as if he's uh, just off his game this is like lapses no he'll, he'll forever if he does leave villa this season he'll forever be like a what if player i mean what if he could have cut that inconsistency out i'd agree with that it's, you know, it's, it's infuriating but we can't be sentimental yeah i mean i i just know if you ask me now uh, right you've got to buy two players to get you in the champions league or in the top six or whatever that is definitely uh one of the places uh that even you know sentimentality doesn't come into it it's, it's kind of an easy there's one position we can upgrade yeah. straight and away. gerard will know that the, the club will know um yeah 
and especially in the way the modern game is played, it's such a fundamental position. You look at any team that's doing well in Premier League or on the on the continent, they've got that yeah, position no, nailed. Completely. Right. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the My Old Man Said podcast. Uh, please do become a My Old Man Said patron uh, to get access to Match Club and uh, extra sh- shows on the My Old Man Said podcast channel. Uh, thanks to, to everybody who joined us in Match Club for the Brighton game. Uh, go to myomansaid.com and click on uh, the patron link there for more details. Uh, also, please do uh, flick your notifications on uh, if you listen to the show on Spotify or Apple or whatever podcast so it gives you a uh, a bell when uh, the show actually drops it helps with the algorithm as they say any closing remarks no i think it's just, it's just a very you know, opportune time to put a little bit of runner form together now after the bad run i think it's it's, it's a probably a, a bigger win than maybe we realize in the context of the season at the moment especially if you can get another good result against southampton it just lifts lifts the dark clouds a little bit and allows you to be upwardly mobile again whereas you know going into the Brighton game we were a little bit concerned it sort of says well there is potential here you know it's not as we're not as bad as we think we're probably not as good as we hoped but we're not as bad because you want to be thinking about the future and you want to be thinking about uh, next season and you don't want to be getting bogged down in the here and now like oh shit we're in the relegation battle oh, what are we going to do you know what changes are we going to make for that you, you want to be doing enough to uh, stay I don't know you know mid table wherever but thinking about how you're improving for next season to get higher up the league rather than getting dragged down into as I mentioned at the top of the show the uh, the, the the seemingly expanding uh, relegation battle that's afoot I mean unfortunately we, we've seen Leeds's results recently show us exactly what we should have done against them when we're 3-1 up and uh, looking good. And similar, you know, Watford uh, got got tonked by 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 Palace. Palace, And that was like, yeah, although, you know, to their their, uh, credit, they did get a draw at Old Trafford, though, uh, the old wise owl, uh, Roy Hodgson. (laughs) Maybe Watford are just better when they don't have to go and chase games. (laughs) You look at them and you think, actually, they're they're kind of built for away trips, uh, Organised and athletic and pacey on the attack, uh, on the counters. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily rule them out yet in terms of the race because they look like a team that could actually pick up points away from home. Anyway, that's that's their problem. There's not much Villa can do really in terms of tangible uh, rewards from this season. It's as I keep keep saying, it's all about prepping next season. But this is definitely uh, an important win in terms of. Calms everyone down. Yeah, a bit. getting a, getting rid of a few seeds of doubt. Yeah, in v- various various uh, departments. Right, I won't be around to uh, record something for the weekend, so uh, you will have to wait until the next main show, which will be after the uh, Saints game. So until then, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.